coming at you with some seriously chapped lips. Good evening, everyone. My name is Sam, and this is the Front Kick Friday podcast, um, brought to you by uh, Front Kick Dragon Fist podcast. And today it is Friday, December 29th, 2017. And today we're going to be breaking down UFC 219 Cyborg versus Holly Holm in Las Vegas, Nevada. It'll be going down tomorrow night. Um, we're only going to be going over four out of the five uh, fights out of the main card. Uh, also, my all-time co-host, which I'm fairly certain this is a first for the podcast, uh, even given our uh, lengthy hiatus, uh, my co-host, Mac, is not going to be joining us today. Unfortunately, he's uh, on a road trip down to um, what most would call, what I would call, the promised land, otherwise known as Texas, Tejas, the land of tequila and salsa, um, the land of uh, milk and honey, I guess, uh, queso and beer, I don't know, you know, take your pick, uh, queso and sweet tea, yeah, yeah. Um, however, comma, to no avail, this will be a much shorter podcast than usual, so without further ado, let's get cracking and go. So UFC 219, like I said, coming at you tomorrow, December 30th, 2017, Cyborg versus Home in Las Vegas, Nevada at the T-Mobile Arena. Now, this is the big end of the year card, and so normally you have the you know that that big bang up card and and surprisingly uh, it was not long before uh, maybe maybe six weeks out I think we didn't have a main event for this card uh, which is very unusual uh, I know last year the for the the Rousey Nunez card that was announced fairly well in advance and Ronda Rousey, you know, there's a big stink about her not wanting to do media, and we all seen how that ended. Well, uh, in in similar fashion, we again have a female main event, but this time it's for the featherweight, the 145 pound women's title, or you know, I, I guess the UFC is not saying whether it's women or men, you know, PC. So I apologize if I've offended anyone. It is the featherweight, the 145 pound pound title. Uh, the caveat to that, though, is the amount of people that are in this division. You could say Tanya Evinger, who recently challenged Cyborg for the belt, at the time a vacant belt, is in the division, even though she was the Invicta 135-pound, the Bantamweight champion uh, in another organization. They brought her into the UFC in July at UFC 214 to fight Cyborg. Uh, because Megan Anderson had to pull out, who was the uh, Invicta interim, yes, the Invicta interim featherweight champion. So it's kind of a cluster at 145 pounds uh, for the as to how many people are really in the featherweight division um, and who's really going to be a clear cut contender once this fight's over. Um, I think best case scenario, in my opinion, for the UFC for fans, for the sport, is that we have a fight that is super competitive, 
super close. I mean, I'm talking it wouldn't even be bad if this was reminiscent to another New Year's card, UFC 125, Frankie Edgar versus Gray Manor 2, where it went to a draw. I don't now necessarily I don't want to draw, um, but I I would I wouldn't hate there to be like a back and forth dialogue on who did and didn't win, you know, because uh, after that fight there was this huge and leading up to the third fight between Maynard and Edgar there was this huge uh, build up, this hype. Uh, there were commercials basically saying, uh, you know, no no Gray Maynard won or no Frankie Edgar won. And so in this uh, this case, I feel like it would be super valuable for it to come down really close and build up that uh, that next fight, that rematch, until they get kind of a um, a a more built up women's featherweight division. However, comma, I'll put the brakes on home cyborg for now. That'll be the last fight I talk about. I'm steadily looking at my phone right now awaiting Mac to send me his concrete picks, but he has yet to. He's he's probably I think he just got to Texas. So maybe maybe he doesn't want to text and drive. Good on you, Mac. So I'll start at the first fight, the opening fight on the main card. Carlos Condit makes his return back to the octagon for the first time in over a year after losing to Damian Maya, August 27th, I do believe, uh, in 2016. That was the same night as my previous fight, so I feel you, Carlos. Wasn't a good night for either of us. Um, I wish I would have lost by submission, though. Probably would have helped the, you know, been an easier pill to swallow. But it's a big... Big fight to see, is Carlos Condit going to be the Carlos Condit that fought Robbie Lawler, that uh, Tiago Alves even? I mean, yes, it wasn't necessarily a, in his prime Tiago Alves, but he, Carlos Condit, put on a clinic against Tiago Alves. And pretty much everyone leading up to that title fight against Robbie Lawler, and for anyone that remembers that title fight, it did not not disappoint in any fashion. Uh, if that seemed broken, it's because we had a little bit of technical difficulties, but we are back. Okay, again, uh, the fight between Robbie Lawler and Car- Carlos Condit was not uh, disappointing in any fashion. However, his opponent, Neil Magny, very, very well-rounded in all areas of the game. Very game opponent, with that word being said. Neil Magny's coming off of his loss against Rafael Dos Anjos, otherwise known as RDA, by submission, arm triangle. And then that fight, RDA was really able to implement his plan, his game plan against uh, Neil Magny and kind of just force and impose his will uh, down to the ground. And that doesn't, it's not to say Neil Magny's bad on the ground. He's actually really, really good. He's just had bad. Uh, luck, I guess, uh, if you want to call it that, against people, or he's just been matched up against people who are, you know, really good on the ground. Like you got uh, RDA, and then you've got when he fought Damian Maya, and then he lost uh, by TKO against Lorenz Larkin. You can't necessarily 
fault him for that. Uh, that was just a really stellar performance by Lorenz Larkin at the time. Uh, but he does, however, have a win at UFC 207. Uh, just about a well, it will be exactly one year uh, from tomorrow against Johnny Hendricks. Uh, say what you will about that, uh, and it was actually it was it was it was a unanimous decision, but it was a decision nonetheless. Uh, and then he also, in March of 2016, has a, a really big win against Hector Lombard, where he took a lot of damage, but he was able to use his cardio and his ground game to actually win the fight. He mounted Hector Lombard, started throwing a lot of elbows. Do I think that he will be able to do that against someone as crafty and as experienced as... As Carlos Condit, no, no, I don't. Uh, and just as far as my pick is concerned, like I just can't. Uh, if the Carlos Condit that we know, that I know, that I've watched over the years, granted, I'll put it out there right now, I am a, uh, I'm a super fan of Carlos Condit. Always have been since he fought Roy McDonald. I mean, since he was in the WC. So I'm obviously biased, but I still don't think that if the Carlos Condit that we have seen in the past, you know, barring any incidents, maybe like what happened with Damian Maya, where he was just outclassed on the ground. Uh, if, 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 if the, the Carlos Condit that we know comes back into the octagon tomorrow night, I don't see any area in which Neil Magny is going to be able to beat Carlos Condit because I feel like Neil Magny is or Carlos Condit rather is a better version of Neil Magny I mean they're both long lanky good strikers good on the ground uh, I would say Neil Magny's wrestling is better than Carlos Condit's but Carlos Condit's uh, much better off his back than Neil Magny is um, both I, I would say in all attributes have the exact same striking style for the most part uh obviously they they each have their own flavor of how they go about their uh, strikes but as far as the aptitude it's the same it's just if you were to look at them on a on a video game i feel like carlos condit's stats are just going to be are just going to be higher and so I think that's what's going to help him win the uh, the fight. I feel like he's going to he's going to beat Neil Magny to every punch, and I feel like Neil Magny is going to initiate a takedown, and that takedown is not going to work. Or if it does, then he's going to be in a lot of trouble. He's not going to be able to establish a dominant position on the ground. He's going to be catching submission attempts, and he's going to be struggling to keep Carlos Condit on the ground. And, and I think Carlos Condit's going to get back up and. It's going to be very similar, in my opinion, to the second uh, Martin Kamen fight against Carlos Condit, where Martin Kamen really had to attempt a lot of takedown attempts and just ended up gassing himself out, trying so hard to get to the ground. And then uh, the experience in the gas tank of Carlos Condit kind of kicked in. Do I think Neil Magny is going to get gassed like Martin Kamen did? No, I don't think so. I think uh, Neil Magny's got a really, really good gas tank. I think he's got a better gas tank than that Martin Kamen did. But I don't think the gas tank is going to be the issue. I think it's going to be the 
just the overall accumulation of damage that he's going to take from Carlos Condit because Carlos Condit is a lot, a lot like uh, Rose Lanami Yunus, who we just seen beat my girl, Joanna uh, Young Jacek, where every strike he throws is it has something behind it. It may not be 100%, but none of his strikes are under 60% in my opinion. Um, you have people like the Diaz brothers uh, who put lighter, you know. You have a lot of strikers that do that. John Jones is very uh, good about economically sorting out his punches throughout the fight, and that's a good thing. And I'm not saying it's a bad thing that Carlos Conda does it. I, obviously, I'm complimenting him in the sense that he just has that gas tank and that muscle fiber and that aptitude to be able to st- throw those strikes in that manner for a long duration of time. And when they accumulate, I mean, it, it doesn't take five strikes from Carlos Conda before you see his opponent's face start to get bloodied and beaten. And he has strikes from every angle. And I think it's just going to be too overwhelming for Neil Magny to be able to handle in that kind of setting. And I think he's going to buckle. I've got... Carlos Condit by second round TKO, late second round TKO over Neil Magny. Mac, Mac has yet to respond. I see that he's seen my message asking him for his picks. So hopefully before we are done recording, Mac sends me his picks so we can get this uh, on all of the platforms for you to listen. Moving on to the next fight, a very, very interesting big fight for the women's or straw. Well, it, it well, it's not just the women's; it's the only straw weight division in the UFC. It is uh, number six, Cynthia Calvillo versus, or I, I don't know, the, the people are pronouncing her last name in a lot of ways. And I don't know what her ethnicity is, her or, or origin of ethnicity. Um, but it says United States on her country. And I'm from Texas. So if you show that name to someone in Texas, they're going to say Calvillo because it sounds Spanish. So Calvillo it is for right now. Correct me in the comments. That's all I got to say. And she's going to be fighting Carla Esparza, ranked in number nine right now. But Carla Esparza is the former and was the inaugural strawweight champion in the UFC. Um, she was, she never defended her belt. She was uh, defeated by Joanna Young Jacek. And, you know, the rest is history. However, she has a really, really good ground game. But Cynthia Calvillo has got a wave, a monumental wave of momentum behind her for this fight. I mean, she's endorsed by Body Armor, much like Francis Ngannou. I mean, she's really got the UFC pushing her for this fight, and she's had some really spectacular wins in the octagon this year. Uh, I believe all coming by rear naked choke even. Let me check on this so I'm not... Miss, uh, misspeaking, uh, no, no. Her last win over Joanne Calderwood in on July 16th was a three-round unanimous decision. 
I do remember that. And I remember Joanna Calderwood contesting that, and I didn't really see why. I thought it was pretty blatant. And then at UFC 210, uh, I do remember this because I picked Pearl Gonzalez. It was strictly... It was strictly vein based. I did not, pun intended, but no, like I, I, I had no idea. Uh, Pearl Gonzalez was just prettier, and that's why I picked her. And I was wrong because she was submitted in the third round uh, by Rear Naked Choke. And also uh, Amanda ABC Cooper at UFC 209, Woodley Thompson 2. Uh, she submitted her in the first round. So. Uh, a lot, and then I believe she is four and zero. Yeah, uh, six and zero. Okay, so she's got, but I believe she's won four professional fights in this calendar year. So that will make five if she is victorious over Carla Sparza. It's going to be a big, big litmus test. I feel like for Cynthia Calvillo if she can overcome kind of that experience that's from Carla Esparza, because Carla Esparza is very, very experienced, um, maybe not necessarily inside the UFC, but for a female in MMA today, a record of 13-4 and four is fairly, uh, fairly experienced. Uh, you know, 17 professional fights is, uh, just, just given the landscape and atmosphere of, of what women's MMA has been. So, I, I would like to pick the underdog in Carla Sparza, and I'm going to. I'm going to. I'm going to. I just made up my mind right here, right now, 5.05 p.m. Friday evening. I made my mind up. So tonight, because I'm assuming everyone's going to be listening to this in the morning, my apologies not for not getting it out earlier, I'm picking Carla Sparza to defeat Cynthia Calvillo by unanimous decision. I'm I'm 65% sure it's going to be unanimous. 35 that it's going to be split, but I'm I'm 100% certain I'm picking her to win by decision. I think she's just a little too good on the ground to fall susceptible to what Cynthia Calvillo has been throwing at um, what I would say are lesser experienced fighters on the ground um, because obviously she was unable to seal the deal against somebody like Joanna Calderwood. And I feel like Carla Esparza is much, much better on the ground than Joanna Calderwood was. So I'm going to give it to Carla Esparza. And, and honestly, I think Carla Esparza is going to score takedowns. I think that's how it's going to go. I don't think it's going to be on the feet that much because I think Cynthia Calvillo actually has the upper hand on the feet. Um, and I think Carla Esparza is going to initiate takedowns. I think she's going to put her up against the cage. I think she's going to try to take her into some deep waters early, if you know what I mean. She's going to really try to smother her, kind of impose her will and game plan on Cynthia Calvillo and take that decision win. And that would be huge for Carla Esparza. Uh, I think that would really jump her in the rankings. I don't know exactly what the rankings are, nor do they really ever matter, but I think it would be a really, really big win for her. And I don't think it would do a whole lot to the stock of Cynthia Calvillo. I mean, she's a, uh, a super hot rising prospect in the UFC. 
and I don't think she's going anywhere, even if she, and I think it would be best case scenario, um, because it would only look like a learning experience for her getting that cage time and, um, kind of seeing the holes in her game, uh, and that being very small holes, I'm sure. I, I don't think her ground, I mean, she's very well-rounded and I think her ground game is phenomenal. I just don't think she's necessarily going to have that, uh, ability to impose her will on someone like Carla Sparza, and I think that will pay off for her later on down the road when she has to challenge someone like Joanna Young Jacek or um, Rose Namajunas. So, so again, I'm picking Carla Sparza by decision. I'll leave it. I'll leave it at that. Just decision. Um, next, moving on to the co-main event. Ah, this is my main event. Because I am the biggest. I'm probably not the biggest. I'm sure there's someone out there who has the Russian headgear. Uh, but I, I don't. However, as far as the people that are in this room right now, that being just me, I'm the biggest Khabib Nurmagomedov fan. And notice how I pronounced that correctly. Not... Nurmagadov. Did we have a technical difficulties? No, I guess not. Sorry, everyone. We're back. Oh my gosh. Okay, so uh, golly, everybody. My uh, my computer is not working well for uh, Mac reasons. I, I I can't update it because someone locked me out of my computer as far as they changed the passwords because it was petty. It's a petty thing to do. Anyways, uh, back to Khabib Nurmagomedov. He is by far one of the biggest standouts to ever be in the UFC. The dude's 24-0. Absolutely demolishes people. Oh my gosh. He was talking to Michael Johnson a little over a year ago at UFC 205, and while beating this dude and just just dominating him, making him feel like not even a man, he's telling him, you have to give up. I get title shot. I have to win the world title. And like just telling him to quit, man. And I'll, oh, it was brutal. And whenever you have somebody like that, so hard not to root for him. However, in this case, I am a huge Edson Barboza fan. I emulate every single time I throw a lead uh, mid kick, you know, the lead body kick. I always try to do it like Edson Barboza. Obviously, mine is nowhere near, not, not even the same galaxy as Edson Barboza's. But he, it's just he. I'm such a big fan of his performances in the Octagon to be able to. I feel put up a uh, or, or it, pff, what, look at me, look at me. I'm uh, uh my computer guys. This is just this is no bueno. This Mac of mine is it, it's a brand new MacBook. Anyways, jeez. I think he's going to present a lot of issues that Khabib's never seen. And most of that, I think, is going to come uh, by way of speed and just precision of strikes. 
if Khabib does not get this fight to the ground, I'm talking uh, half a second before the bell even rings. Edson Barboza is going to show him what leg kicks are and what body kicks are and what head kicks are and what fast, crisp Tom's River, New Jersey punches are. And it's not going to be an easy fight for Khabib. This is by far going to be his most difficult fight. When they announced this fight, I was like, damn it, man. I just wanted him to go ahead and get the shot against Tony. Let's just do it. Come on, it's Khabib. Just do it, you know, or give him like, I don't know, Justin Gaethje or somebody. I mean, Justin Gaethje's obviously, you know, who doesn't love Justin Gaethje? But gosh, Edson Barboza? That's not an easy fight, man. That's the hardest fight in the division, in my opinion, that's not named Tony Ferguson. So it's going to be a really rough time. However, I can't root against Khabib. The dude has never even looked like he was going to lose. If you want to say, oh, well, the 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 one punch he ate from Michael Johnson, dude, get out of here. Stop it. Stop. Stop collaborating and listen and go in the other room. He, I mean, if that's what you're going to say, like the one point in the entire fight where he looked like he wasn't winning. All right. You know, for all these huge Michael Johnson fans out there, Khabib is on a whole nother level. And I really hope that due to him being in what looks to be such good shape, you know, he made weight today. Um, he seems to be, you know, he's even bragging about, you know, Mac was telling me earlier we were talking and he was telling me that Khabib's talking about, you know, I've kind of been out of the loop as far as the interviews here lately, but Khabib's talking about making a, uh, a featherweight run at one point, And I, I hope that's not true. You know, uh, no, no Khabib, no, no, stay in your lane. Um, I, I would like to see Khabib and yeah, I'm calling him Khabib. Dog, dog. Yeah, I'm calling to call a beep. I would like to see him, uh, you know, maybe even go up to 70 one day. But right now, I think 155 is the perfect weight for Khabib Nurmagomedov. And that's that. I'm just going to go ahead and call it um, second round submission. I don't know what submission. That's, I'm, not a, I'm not a genie. You know, if I had to guess, <sighs> rear naked choke. Yeah, like, I, I, would, I would say rear naked choke. Um, second round if I if I if I had to pick a submission but I don't have to so suck it um, but yeah I'm gonna go ahead and say second round submission for Khabib Nurmagomedov the Eagle and our main event of the evening Chris Cyborg the featherweight champion of the world defending her belt for the first time against the number two bantamweight in the world, Holly Holm. Now, Holly Holm is no stranger to the featherweight division. She just fought in the beginning of this year, in February, against Jermaine Durandamy for the inaugural featherweight title. That was such a blockbuster card. However, it was a good fight, in my opinion, and I think Holly Holm, even without the discrepancies done by the New York State Athletic Commission... I think she won anyways. And then on top of that, I think that was a super unjust win. Probably the most unjust decision in UFC title fight history, in my opinion. Because Jermaine Duranamy did not win that fight. Then Jermaine Duranamy vacates the title. 
because she doesn't want to fight Cyborg because she knows Cyborg's she's coming down the line. Cyborg's set to fight Megan Anderson at UFC 214 in California. Megan Anderson's having visa issues, has to pull out, and then she uh, Cyborg fights Tanya Evinger, which was... I mean, she looked like uh, she said, hold my beer, and walked into the octagon. Nothing against Tanya Evinger. She probably kicked my ass, but that was not... Um, she just did not look like she did everything in her power to be absolutely and totally prepared for what is a fight against Cyborg. I mean, what more can you say? So, obviously, Chris Cyborg won that fight, dominated TKO, boom, out, one and done, good to go, you know. I think it was the third round if I'm if I'm uh if my memory serves me correct, third or fourth round. It was third round. Third round TKO. Yep. So, but now she's fighting somebody in Holly Holm, who Holly Holm, and I'll say this, and I, I share this every year on Facebook, I picked Holly Holm long before she ever, I, I, honestly, before she fought uh, Raquel Pennington in her debut. Um... But definitely before she fought Marion Renault and before she fought Holly Holm, I called her to beat Holly or uh, I mean not Holly Holm, uh, Ronda Rousey. I called her to beat Ronda Rousey. So, um, and I'm calling her to win right now, right here and now. I'm calling Holly Holm to beat Chris Cyborg. I think she's just gonna be a little too much, a little too fast, a little too much cardio, a little a little too crisp of punches. I think that maybe somewhere in the first and third round, Chris Cyborg's going to offer some some uh, some dangerous moments for Holly Holm. And then maybe even in the fifth round, I feel like Chris is just going to let it go, empty, you know, let it go, uh, empty out the gas tank and just put everything she has on Holly Holm. And I don't know if Holly Holm is necessarily going to be able to handle that. So I'm I'm calling right now that the uh, first the first round may go to Cyborg. Second round, all Holly Holm, all Holly Holm in my opinion. Uh, third round, um, it could go to Cyborg. Fourth round, hundred. Even third round, I'm gonna give th- I'm gonna give rounds two, three, and four to Holly Holm, and I'll give one and five to Cyborg. Now this is absolutely ridiculous to be pe- uh, getting that specific, but why not? We're here, right? So that's and, and if I'm right, God, I'm gonna be pff, I'm gonna be a genius, you know? I'm gonna be a soothsayer or a a mysticist or I don't know. I don't know any cool. Be a, be a wizard. Magic. Boom. Yeah, send me your credit card numbers. I'll make your bank accounts um, bigger or something because I'm magic. It's not going to happen. I hope it happens. So that's kind of my breakdown on that. I, I just feel like she's going to be a little too bet, like a little too, a little too, a little, just a tad bit cleaner on the feet. Now, here's the X factor anything can happen. And I wouldn't put it past Cyborg to just be 
intelligent and implement a smart game plan. If Cyborg wants to take Holly home down past the second round, she'll probably be able to. I think in the first round, I think Holly Holm is strong. And I think she's got really good takedown defense. I think she's, there's no way she hasn't worked on that with Izzy Martinez for this camp. There's no way. And I mean, you know, ever since the Betch Cahaya fight in July, what has she been doing? Or June, late June, I think. You know, she she's, she's kind of, I think we've all kind of known as soon as Cyborg won, what was going to happen and uh, or at least I had a very good guess so surely that has improved and with the accumulation of strikes as well you know people are kind of acting like Cyborg is only going to have to worry about taking down Holly Holm she's going to have to worry about getting punched in the face she's going to have to worry about getting kicked and 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 kneed and, and elbowed and there's going to be a lot of factors. I mean, Holly Holm is not just a pushover on the ground. Just because she was dominated by Misha Tate in the second round and then that Hail Mary takedown, I mean, look at what happened to Misha Tate as far as pure jiu-jitsu was concerned against Ronda Rousey, and then look at what Holly Holm defended. I know the takedowns are much different, but still, her takedown defense is going to be, in my opinion impressive in the first one two maybe three rounds after that if cyborg wants to take her down i think it's really going to be a survival of the of the fittest for holly home i think she's really just gonna have to dig deep and, and try to stand back up i think there will be takedowns landed uh especially in the fifth round that's why i'm giving cyborg that fifth round i think she's gonna she's gonna empty it out and she's gonna make holly holmes guard go up and then she's gonna shoot in and then it's just going to be lay and pray. Just try to get points. Try to ground and pound, get points. So, but again, I am going to give it to Holly Holm. And as I stated earlier in the episode, I think if this ends up being like a really good back and forth, not necessarily barn burner, but just an exciting fight, that we can look forward to an immediate rematch. And that kind of buys the sport and the fans and the UFC itself a little more time to build that 145 pound division. Maybe, maybe talk Tanya Evinger or Jermaine Durandamy into fighting Megan Anderson or bringing over some more talent from Invicta, uh, whatever they need to do to kind of build this division into an actual division. Cause it, at the moment it consists of two people and those two people are fighting tomorrow night in the main event. So with that being said, unless one of them loses by just absolute sheer earth-shattering knockout, hard not to give an immediate rematch because they're the only people in the, in the division. So that is my breakdown of UFC 219 happening again tomorrow night, or uh, most of you will be listening to this Saturday morning. Unless you're in another country, which we do have a lot of German people listening. So, German things. Ugh, I should have drank should have drank German beer, but today's episode is all Modelo. My bad. Sorry. And I doubt we have any... I don't think we have any Spanish or Mexican 
more more specifically, I don't have any Mexican listeners. I don't speak Spanish very well at all, so that might be why, among other reasons. So, again, that was my breakdown of UFC 219. Mac has not gotten back with me with his picks, so that just gives you guys an extra incentive to check out our Instagram page. Our Instagram page is FKD Podcast. You can look it up by uh, searching the hashtags FKF, hashtag Front Kick Friday, hashtag FKD Podcast, hashtag FKD. Um, we're even in the hashtag Dragon Ball Super sometimes, hashtag. Uh, once you get into like UFC, MMA, things like that, uh, unless the fight's actually going and I'm doing like live updates, which really hasn't happened much uh, recently, just because it's difficult to constantly stay on top of it and watch the fights um and people get mad at me for being on my phone so but i'll try to do that tomorrow um unless that's the case it's gonna be hard to find me on find us on that bigger hashtag so like i said hashtag fkf hashtag fkd podcast please share our videos or or even just uh, like like comment um, subscribe to us on YouTube our YouTube page is FKD podcast you can find us on Stitcher radio FKD podcast you can find us on SoundCloud FKD podcast everything we have is FKD podcast uh, you can email us at FKD podcast at yahoo.com if you have questions comments concerns things you'd like to see in the in the podcast, new segments, new ideas. Um, we don't have like a Patreon or anything or a GoFundMe or, or anything like that. Like, uh, and none of our stuff is monetized. Um, just a little, just a little background, uh, just really quick. You know, me and Mac, we were, you know, he used to be in the military. I'm currently in the military and we were, we were serving together. And we would be in the field. We'd be sitting in a Humvee for, you know, anywhere from 12 to, you know, 18 hours at a time. And we would just get bored and we'd be sitting there in our gear and we would just start talking about MMA. And, you know, eventually we would always say, you know, man, like one day we got to get a podcast. Like one, well, one day we got to do a podcast. You know, I, how on earth would we ever do that? But we just continuously talked about it. He ended up getting out of the military, uh, going to another, well, first he went to another base, get out of the military, uh, went home. I was still at the same base, but we would still correspond on Facebook. Every time there was a UFC event, we would break things down in the comment section and we would just, it would be like 53,000 comments. Um, and we would just be breaking things down. We're like, ah, oh, man. And, and I shared one specifically every year. Uh, because I'm, or I, I don't share it, but like I comment on it. I'm like, one day, one day, one day. And, you know, finally, uh, I think it's coming up soon. I'll be able to comment on it and be like, Hey man, we did it. We have a podcast. Finally, finally we did it. And so, um, so just to give you an, uh, you guys an insight on like what our motivation is and why we're doing this, this is not at all, um, for money. Uh, if we ever do get money from this ever, I can almost assure you that it's going to go into just making the podcast better, uh, getting mics, trying to get guests, trying to get better sound equipment, trying to get better lighting, trying to get better this, that, and the other, uh, just because, uh, you know, I have a full-time job in the military, so, and I don't, 
I don't plan on that changing anytime soon. Mac is is doing his lawyer thing, so we're good to go. This is this is purely a passion project between the two of us, and we just absolutely and totally love MMA. Uh, Mac is one of the best at breaking down the entire spectrum of the sport of anybody I've ever met, and and then. Uh, even though he hasn't really trained, I know he's done some boxing here and there, but nothing uh, competitive. I don't think he's ever competed. Um, so, but he has such a, a unique perspective, and he really brings up some some deep insights. And he really gets deep into uh, like every word the fighters say in interviews, things like that. And he really weighs in a lot of variables that maybe some people wouldn't otherwise notice. And then obviously, my perspective is I'm just a balls deep nerd and I've had five amateur MMA fights I've been training jiu-jitsu for since 2010 kickboxing since 2010 basically boxing since 2009 I mean so uh, and I'm not great uh, there was a long layoff there but uh, so that is our that that is kind of our reason for for doing this for anyone that's listening and and wondering why these these two dudes or in this case this one guy is just going on and on about nonsense called MMA. So with that being said, again, Stitcher, YouTube, SoundCloud, iTunes, Instagram, find us on Instagram. Uh once we're, you know, like I said on Instagram, You'll be able to find Max picks, uh, hopefully posted by tonight. If not, first thing in the morning, have those up so you'll see where both of us stand as far as tomorrow's fights are concerned. See if we got them wrong. See what we got right, and everything in between. For my people that are listening, and also listen to the Dragon Ball Super breakdowns, as soon as I'm done recording this. I'm turning it right back around. I got my my capsule court jacket on. I got my Master Roshi martial arts shirt on. I'm going right into year in review, 2017 of what's been going down in in the world of Dragon Ball Super. So, and this is my first Dragon Ball Super episode since July. So I got a lot to catch up on, but I'm gonna try to break it down real real quick. So please tune into that again like share comment subscribe do all that cool stuff and for me and for mac in spirit see you next time